Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Meg Stone, for becoming a patron of the original cast. You have joined at a fantastic time because you are now here for not only our year of 2022 original cast at the movies where we talked about sequels and biopics, which is coming to a conclusion this month with our discussion of Mamma Mia, Here I Go Again, but you have joined just in time for 2023 when our bonus podcast, the original cast of the movies, covers the year of Barbara. That's right. We are doing all Barbara Streisand movies and we're kicking it off with a very special live stream event december 20th on our patreon page we'll be recording our premiere episode uh for the year of barbara uh on the movie funny girl with perennial favorites robbie Rizell and roddy flynn so that will be live streamed to all patrons that recording on december 20th at 8 30 go to patreon.com slash original cast pod for more information become a patron gain access to the live streams Learn about the different tiers, learn about what you can get, and be sure you're there for 2023's The Original Cast of the Movies, where we're talking all about the career of Ms. Barbara Streisand. Patreon.com slash OriginalCastPod. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a returning guest to the Original Cast. He, I guess, technically still is a playwright, but mainly he is now a novelist. Oh, wow. Big reaction on the Zoom from that. <laughs> Primarily known as a novelist of the very popular Pentecost and Parker series of mystery novels, it's Stephen Spotswood, everybody. Hi. That's only because you're still a playwright. Still a playwright. Still a playwright. It's I mean, just funny to me that your your internet handle is playwright Steve. And yeah, I know, and like everything is about books now. Yeah, you, there you, was yeah. A, there was a pandemic that kind of like lost yeah, live there, theater for a bit. There were things. Yes, there were circumstances. No one's saying there weren't circumstances. Uh, yes, but. Anyway, it is lovely to have you back. You it's great here, to be back. You were here like five years ago talking yeah. about um it was the funny thing that I asked you to be on, and the only musical you could come up with was the musical episode of Buffy. So that's what yeah. we did, and that was great because oh. there was an album. Uh and that was a fascinating conversation. But now we're going in a different direction because you're here to talk about Nick and Nora. You're a sweet man. So are you. Ain't that nice to know? Oh, you have to say this. I don't trust you. Our new game here, you'll adjust to. As for me, well, I'm impressed here. all this murder. Be my guest here. You get rest, dear. No more The musical. Musical. So, Steve, yeah. I ask the question that I ask everybody. How did Nick and Nora come into your life? Well, Patrick, uh, you emailed me. I did. Um, <laughs> and, and you said, hey, would you like to come on the show and talk about this musical of The Thin Man yeah. that I did not know existed up until that email? Yeah. Um, and You're I was not like, alone. My God, yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how to pay you back for that. <laughs> Uh, well, so it's, I mean, this musical is, I wouldn't say infamous, 
but it was a very high profile flop when it flopped in the early 90s. Uh, it has, by any metric, an all-star cast with Barry Bostwick and Joanna Gleason to the top, but you've also got Academy Award nominee Chris Sarandon. You've got Faith Prince right before she's going to win her Tony Award. You've got Deborah Monk. you got Christine Baranski, who I think either had just or was mm-hmm. about to win a Tony Award. So, you know, stars all throughout. You've got Arthur Lawrence. You've got Chris uh, Charles Strauss. You've got Richard Maltby Jr. And... You've got a show with all those ingredients that ran for nine performances on Broadway after a, at the time, record-setting 71 previews, yes, which is yes. a very long preview period. Only, which held the record until Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Right, which is, in de- in its defense, a far worse musical than Nick, Nick and Nora is. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is something that I, 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 I wanted to have you back on to talk about your books and to talk about theater and all that stuff. And I thought no one's ever going to pick this show as their show. Oh. Um, because I know no one who, who is a huge like Nick and Nora enthusiast, but so you are a big thin man fan. Am I correct in that? Oh, absolutely. I, oh yeah. I, okay. I good. love the thin man. I love uh, the book. I love the, the six movies. Um, I love Dashiell Hammett. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I am I'm happy to talk about all that and the musical as well, because um, it's fascinating. Because <laughs> you actually about. found and I didn't have time to to look at it because you sent it to me. Uh, I didn't know it existed. You sent it to me today. A uh, what we call a slime tutorial of uh, the original production press night, as it turned out for. Yes. Uh, for yeah. Nick and Nora. I finished watching it about an hour ago. Oh, good. Um, so you yeah. can answer I have some seen of it. my questions. I have seen the show. I can try. <laughs> I can try. This was 1991 technology. Yes. And if you had asked me to be like, name that actor up there, I, I would never oh, figure yeah, it out. No. Like, you can't. It's just a white blur. Yeah. Um, they're so hard to watch. <laughs> but it does fill in some of the plot points that the the, the album does not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, the album definitely... Well, so what's so funny is, so what do what do you let Let's start with 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 the, the source material. I think what how did you become acquainted with the Thin Man? Uh, the movies, probably. Sure. Um, my my dad was a huge mystery fan, um, and it, like I grew up in a household where we were always they were my parents were always looking for like PG fare. Sure. <laughs> to the and like old like forties, thirties, forties, fifties movies were were safe. Um, and so like the Thin Man, I probably watched the, the Thin Man movie when I was like I don't know, like eight, nine, ten, something like that. Oh wow! Um, yeah, very young. Um, probably too young to really care, but like it was still right. around, and we were still like we were to you know go to Blockbuster and rent it every once in a while um, when that was a thing that you did. Sure. Um, so yeah, I just uh, I found it so immediately charming. Like William Powell and Myrna Loy oh, were yeah. just great. Um, it was this bubbly. It was like a murder mystery, but it was bubbly and fun, um, and it had a sense of humor. Um, and the and it felt just a little more modern than everything else. Um, mm-hmm. At least everything. I mean, everything else that was being made at the time. Sure. Um, so yeah, and then eventually I would go and, and read the the Dashiell Hammett novel. Um, and watch the rest of the movies, um, and the rest of and read the rest of Dash Lamet's books. Right. Um, 
but yeah, that that is so. Sandman's been in my life for oh many years, like thirty five years, I think. Sure. Yeah. Do you have a favorite of the six movies? Oh, I'd have to re. I ju- so I just rewatched the first one in preparation mm-hmm. for this. Um, I would have to watch them all. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I rewatched. I, I was endeavoring to rewatch all six. I got oh. through halfway through the third one just before hmm. life life got in the way, and I had to I had to stop. Um, by my memory, the second one was my favorite, but in rewatching it, like the first one is just so incredibly well done, and the yes. others are all yeah. kind of lovely, fun, but imitations of the first one essentially. Um, and the third one, which is sort of more of a manor house mystery, actually kicks mm. things into a very, very different gear. And I'm excited yeah. to go back and finish that one. I'd forgotten that they do start to really play with format with them yes. as they go forward. Um, but they are basically m- mood pieces, character pieces, more than their mysteries in that sense, I would say. That they're, at least the movies are, that like I, it, it doesn't. I mean, who's who who killed? First of all, we should point out the thin man is is neither is not Nick Charles. He's not no, no. <laughs> Even though they're all called like after another thin man, after the thin man, shadow of the thin man. Like the thin man is is it the victim in the first movie? I think. Well, it's the or is he? The, yes, the, it's it's yeah. the well. Some spoiler for. Right. I mean, we're going to, yes. For an 80 year old film. Um, yeah, the we're, we're the, the main the... suspect, yeah, it's the main suspect That's who eventually right. they discover is a victim as well. Um, yes, that's the right. Thin man. Is the thin but man. it's like you've got William Powell. Right. And you just have all the posters of him in its slender profile. Of right. course, they're going to just keep calling it the Thin Man. That living New Yorker sketch, William Powell. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so is at that time. Absolutely. He was that nose true. and everything. He's per- like his Hirschfeld yep. drawing is just like is him is a is a portrait. Yeah. It's it's, yep. it's the most accurate. Uh, and the wonderful Myrna Loy, uh, just one of my favorite actresses ever. And the two of them together are absolutely electric. And I think that. From what I've read of the musical, uh, Arthur Lawrence didn't realize <laughs> how much no. of the, the joy is from the, the performances, which just boggles my mind. <laughs> it's stunning. Like, and, he, and I, I read the same quote, um, mm-hmm. and I think it was like either deep into previews or like right before opening when yeah. he had this realization that like William Powell and Myrna Loy are so connected to Nick and Nora Charles that that's the reason like their charisma and their spark is the reason, yeah. like the main reason those movies were so popular yeah that he did not recognize this until like that is how long was this thing in production like, years, years. Been it years it would take years and i i just can't it's one of those things where he must have had an idea and mm-hmm. because you do cast Two incredibly charming performers. You cast Barry Boswick yes. and Joanna Gleason, who are incredibly charming. So you have some idea that the charm is part of it. But to have, like, to be so blind to it just strikes me as willful <laughs> or just like yeah. not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Or he was lying. He was like, oh, yeah. whoops. Um, yeah. Coming up with excuses. Yeah. But you know, re watching the first movie, mm-hmm. um, I can see why. It, they thought that this would make a good musical. Like, oh, it's, sure. It's, you know, you've, it's the time period. It's like the pre-World War II, like end of the flapper era. It's, yeah, it's, it's pre-code, fun. It's bubbly. Mm-hmm. Pre-code. Um, yeah. 
it's it, the the cost like you know the costumes the giant the big set pieces yeah um the mood seems like it would be a, a tr- an easy translation to the stage but they then well i think was probably a good point you've now watched the show so you are equipped to do this which is mm. good mm-hmm. i'm going to ask you to please summarize the plot of nick and nora because i think the fatal flaw in this show actually comes from directly from the plot. Itself. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, so let me, I'm going to try this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just the highlights. Yeah. You don't have to get too deep in the weeds. No, <laughs> no, no, I won't. I won't. Um, uh, so, uh, Nick and Nara. Um, so, uh, <laughs> we should for people who don't know who the hell these people are um nick charles is a retired private detective who is married um nora charles his maiden name i don't remember um who is a, a wealthy heiress and he is now retired and basically his gag is like no i'm not investigating anymore i'm just taking care of my wife's money um and they uh Returned to Los Angeles from like a wedding, and sh- they were approached by a college chum of Nora's, uh, a famous actress um, who is like uh, the director of my new film has been arrested for murder. Uh, they say he murdered his bookkeeper. Please, Nick, won't you investigate? Mm-hmm. Nick is like, I am retired. I do not do this anymore. And Nora's like, I will investigate. I've been around you, Nick, my husband, long enough. I know how this works. I know what to do. You are my friend and I want to help out. Um, and so Nora starts investigating. Nick sort of tags along. Um, they meet a bunch of suspects all involved around this, uh, this movie that um, her friend is shooting. Um, and this director was directing, uh, and, uh, eventually Nick gets drawn in and he's like, oh, I forgot how much I love doing this. Um, and it becomes, and by the, at the end of, by the end of act one, it becomes a competition where which of the, they're both going to try and solve this murder. Um, that competition lasts for like one a number and a half, right? Quarter <laughs> of act two, um, not very long at all. Right. And then, uh, they eventually he's like she becomes his assistant um he takes the lead again uh and they have the mystery doesn't matter i'm like i could talk about suspects and such but they have at the end the big let's get everybody in a room and a hallmark of the thin man hopefully like somebody will will talk about what's going on and will make somebody do something that will reveal themselves right um and yeah that's that is and then they find out who did it um multiple people who did it uh yeah (laughs) well so here's the thing we can but like i think all you really need to know is this this synopsis i found on guide to musical theater.com because i was very curious i was like i wonder who did it oh i am there okay so (laughs) they there's a they the the solution as listed here is involves this says quote solution involving multiple murders professional desperation tracy's japanese houseboy and a monogrammed watch dug up in tracy's garden by asta who is the dog who's nick and nora's dog yes and played by a real dog played by a real dog and right which is always a good idea right and (laughs) uh that's what the saying is always use dogs and children um 
And I think what all you need to know is how convoluted that is. <laughs> it <laughs> like, is, yeah, like, it is very, like, and it doesn't tell you who did it. Um, yeah. That is really the main reason I was watching. I watched. <laughs> so the who did YouTube. do it? You got to tell me who did it. It, it, so there were there were two murders, and if you you listen right. to the album, you wouldn't you might not have known. I think if you um, listen to the album, if you're paying attention, you will catch that they they suspect yeah. that there is a second murder, which, which is usually the way murder. these stories go. Exactly, yeah. um, and you find out that and th so this was a blurry 1991 video. Right, that the audio is not great. I might be wrong. Sure, um, but it was uh, so Nora's friend, the one that hired them. Um, uh, killed the guy, killed the person gotcha. in the Humber the, se the, coat. the um, secret murder, right? The secret murder, um, right. which there's that's also from the first movie. There is a secret yes, murder, there is a secret murder. Yes. Um, it, that is like actually lifted direct that whole like conceit is lifted directly from oh, the first that movie. Is, you're right with the, the yeah. coat and the hat and the whole thing. Oh, you're yeah, right. Um, and then uh, her Japanese houseboy, and in quotes, oh, I was gonna um, say, yeah. A, <laughs> who, who is actually her lover um killed the bookkeeper um, oh okay when you say her do you mean her her friend who hired her yes the, oh yes, got not, you not, yeah Tra uh, sorry uh nora's friend tracy tracy that's I christine think, bransky um, her, I believe. yeah yeah um yeah. her japanese houseboy lover Yes. Oh, it's so 1991. Um, it really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. No, guys, we'd fixed racism by then. Yeah, yeah. totally. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, it it was very convoluted <laughs> and not at all satisfying. Um, <laughs> and by the way, there's this. Uh, so there was a dual ending sequence. You had like this big sequence in a sort of nightclub, and then you had the the sort of post nightclub scene on a veranda on a quiet veranda and it was like the veranda is where all of the the revelations are made and i'm like why why are we not having the climax the climaxes didn't sink like the the story yeah. climax and the action climax sure and like the the theatrical climax were all muddled at the end but there was a it, lot of muddling there's a lot yeah. yeah well i mean because it's it seems to me that I mean, miss, there aren't a lot of real mystery musicals mm. in this in this life. When you Google that term, things like Sweeney Todd comes up. Sweeney Todd is not a mystery. You know, Sweeney Todd is a thriller and a mm. horror story that has a mystery element to it, but it's more in you think you know what happened and then you find out you didn't. That's not mm. a that's not a mystery. They're not Sweeney's not out trying to solve like find out who the killer is. You know, that's not his jam. Um He's the killer. But uh, you have the, the big hit ones would probably be like um, Mystery of Edwin Drood, which, you know, has multiple endings because yes. the novel was never finished. So that's yeah. the fun thing about that. And there's a 2007 musical, uh, Kander and Ebb's last musical called Curtains, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but I is know. a kind of a spoof on musicals that has a murder mystery at the heart of it but the solution to the murder is not what like it's that is barely a framing device and the ending the the solution to the murder is satisfying but only really because it's so far down on the list of things you care about intentionally like it's it's just buried at the bottom of this of this show um so this is an honest to god who done it in yeah. musical format and it just like the you know, I say that the Thin Man, the movie, let's just use that as an example. Um, 
is a mood piece that doesn't really care about the mystery, but what, but I know who did it and I know why they did it when it's over. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not a uh, Raymond Chandler novel where like, I, I have no idea who did it at the mm. end. And that really doesn't make any difference. It is a, at the end of the day, they get everybody in a room. Nick tells you a story and the killer reveals themselves. And I understand why this is not that <laughs> this is not no, like no, not, at not all. really yeah i'm like you could have the whole japanese houseboy lover second killer could have just you could have cut that entirely out yeah. and made a much stronger ending yeah. there would have been a lot of other problems yes but you wouldn't have had that yeah um yeah you know what's real what's interesting it's like watching like watching the the slime tutorial Right. Um, which the, the term for which I just learned on one of your oh. episodes. Oh, one okay. I don't, I don't yeah, remember yeah, which one. Never, yeah. Um, but I'd yeah. never heard of it before because uh, I'm old and we just call them bootlegs. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, watching it, like the, the, the entire thing was sort of like fighting against itself where you've got like the, you know, the, the murder mystery and sort of like the big set, like all the whodunit stuff and the fun, the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, except you also have Nick and Nora not only competing with each other, but also having to wrestle with this, uh, uh, where they have been married for a while and they, and like, they have changed and they have grown and she has changed and he is still treating her like he was treating her however, like when he first married her and she is like, no, I am not the same person anymore. I am not that little girl that you need to protect or that you need to you know, whatever, like to, to shove in a cab and send off right. um, like he does in, in the first movie. Um, right. And they mention in the musical. Um, and it was like that. It was like a coming to terms with a new balance in their marriage, which is actually, was actually interesting. Like that was very interesting to watch. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is very nuanced. Well, not very nuanced. Nuanced, nuanced compared to right. um, <laughs> somewhat nuanced um, and, and like unexpected and interesting. I, I don't think it belongs with Nick. And I think like shoving that it, it goes entirely against the grain of what makes you know, the, the, the William Powell, Myrna Loy, Nick and Nora Charles fun yeah. to watch um, because they, they are like a relationship where they have little bumps, but like they work mm-hmm. as a married couple. Like they understand each other's dynamic and like, they have fun and the Nick and Nora in this musical for like at least 50% of the time, probably more do not have fun with each other or at least don't seem to. There's a, I'm not the first person to point this out, but there is a shot early in the first film where a young woman in desperation throws her arms around Nick and is like hugging her, him (laughs) and Nora walks in on this Mm -hmm. scene. And in any other movie, the response is like jealousy and how dare you and what is going on in here and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And that's what you think is going to happen. And then she, he, she just like looks at him and he makes a face at her and she makes a face back of being yes. like, oh, shut up, like whatever, you know. And they then she comes in and joins the scene. And the woman's very embarrassed because it was very innocent. And Nora's like instantly like, oh, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. And that's them. They are a hundred percent like they they bicker about the fact that no the dynamic in all the movies is the same. Nora wants Nick to solve the murder. Nick doesn't want to do it, and then eventually she either pushes him into it or he sort of 
realizes that the case is more complicated and like he has to do it. He feels an obligation to yes. do it for some reason. That's the story. And then, yes, there are elements of him pushing her out of the way in a not great 30s, you know, mass, uh-huh. men kind of men's world kind of kind of thing. But as the movies goes on, those disappear and she does become like somebody who she's his Watson. Basically, he's bouncing ideas off her. She's bouncing ideas off him. And then they go forward in it and making them actually have marital problems really seems like a bad idea. For Nick and Nora Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really, it really does. Um, and watch, uh, watching it, I was like, what? That, this is a choice. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a bold choice. Right. Which you have well, to kind of respect a little bit. You yeah, know? No, no. Str- yeah. Strong, but wrong. That's, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I just, it's, it's interesting. I just, I wanted to, I'd love to like be in a, been in a, I wish I would be in the room for all the rehearsals or like those 71 preview performances. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, like just to watch them missing what was missing, you know, yeah. like where they just didn't get it. Um, oh yeah. yeah. And it's, it's that thing of, I wonder how much of that comes from, the fact that Arthur Lawrence was the author of the book and the director at the same time. Yeah. It can't have helped. It could not have helped. Yeah. So how, so you're, you are, you know, much more about musicals. You've, you've listened to way more cast sure. albums. Um, what do you think of the music? Um, so you said strong, but wrong uh, about mm-hmm. the book. And I would say it's the, the, the music is kind of the exact opposite. It is fine was sort of what I kept <laughs> hearing. I kept being like, yeah, that was definitely a song. You know what I mean? Like that was yep. definitely a musical number. That was definitely something. And with some some few exceptions, like I think May the Best Man Win is kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, the uh, like even right from the jump, like the is there anything better than dancing? The opening number. We're gonna open our Nick and Nora Charles musical with a slow dance number. Dancing, dancing. When the orchestra's packed up and gone, but the music's still working its voodoo. And that tune's in your head. Is there anything better? Dancing. If there ever was a show that should yeah. open with a large group number, which all these movies have of like they come back to whatever city they're coming to. They go back to San Francisco. They go back to New York. They go back to Los Angeles. And they are immediately greeted by like all these people that Nick put in prison and all of Nora's old like mm-hmm. social friends. And you see instantly in all those movies, they have this clash. Like that's what's interesting about them. Like they come from two totally different worlds, but they're very in sync. If there was ever a musical that caused for a large opening number with a lot of characters highlighting that fact, it's this one. And what we get instead yes. is this, not dirge-like exactly, but this sweet, romantic, should have been like a, a late act two number uh, of them dancing, which doesn't, yeah. I don't get anything yeah, you, from that at all. You could have cut it. They should have cut it. <laughs> I was actually very surprised <laughs> listening listening to the album for the first time. Uh I at first I was like, is this out of order? Mm-hmm. Um 
Oh yeah. And then I looked at it. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh no, no, it's overture. And then there's there anything better than dancing? Um, yeah. And I was very. It was yeah, just totally wrong. It's um, totally wrong. But I, I I agree. It's all like it's all yeah. just weak and just like with little little nods and sometimes the right direction um there is not a banger in this bunch i was really looking for at least like one number that i could be like yes that is the one that will like come up on spotify but i don't know the uh the the ones that people do the ones that i've heard are may the best man win which is fun i would say mm. follow sort of the textbook definition of a fun of a fun song um no and the other one that I've heard people perform um, is "Look Who's Alone Now." Oh, okay, you know, yes. which is a which is a nice act two closing number. Yeah. It's, per- it's perfectly fine. And if you want, you can uh, uh, go see. They just did a reunion concert of this um, with the original Ooh. cast. Um, I should see when was that. Oh, I say just. It was in 2017. Well, time's a flat circle. Um, yeah. <laughs> May 2nd, 2017. <laughs> they brought most of the original cast back together um, and uh, and performed the show. And, it, you know, it, I've seen their videos of that on, on YouTube. You can watch and they're having a lot of fun doing it. You know, you can tell um, the only number that I really enjoyed, uh, like I really mm-hmm. sat up and listened to was is late neck to busy night at Lorraine's. Yes. Where they start yeah. to piece together all yeah. of the stuff that's happening. Nora, we've been solving the wrong damn murder. I think we're finally ready. Gathering time at the big taboo. All of the suspects invited. What'll I wear? I'm excited. Hey. This is fun. Thanks to a busy night at Lorraine's. Oh, what a busy night at Lorraine's. We had a busy night. Finally, I really thought like, this is what the show should be. This is it. It's the like, I don't know if you're familiar with the show City of Angels, um, which is a noir Dashiell Hammett kind of parody almost um, where it's two shows at once. It's about a guy writing a noir film and you see the film he's writing and you see him in the process of all the problems he's having writing it and how they bleed into each other. But what that show does, you'd really enjoy that, I think. And it, it, has a much better score than this mm. and uh but it does a a lot of like blending the scenes together rewinding starting over you see the same thing from a couple different points of view sort of situation and that was what i was like when i heard Le- uh busy night at the rains i was like that's what i this is what i've wanted the whole time is this yes and so have you so have you seen any of the have you seen busy night at the rains have you seen any photos I didn't, from I, it sh- I should have watched that sequence because i watched some of the slime tutorial just enough to know that, like, I didn't have time. A and B. It, it, it's <laughs> very hard to watch. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very hard very to watch. Hard yeah. To watch. Um, but but the way you just described the busy night, Lorenz, um, mm-hmm. this sort of pen penultimate number. Um, 
is exactly what I did. Like it's mm-hmm. it's them at Lorraine's uh, apartment, um, imagining the different ways this murder could have gone, and different people coming in, all wearing this uh, overcoat and Homburg hat costume mm-hmm. of the killer. Um, and you know Lorraine, de- you know dead Lorraine, the actor right. there playing out for death, and like them going over it again and again and being like, no, this doesn't work. Why? And it's great. It's it's mm-hmm. um, it is actually it's like the entire show has been like set to five, and suddenly they're at eleven, um, and you can see sort of the actors have to like catch up to the speed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, this should have been the speed. And like the the meta ness that this entire show should have been. It is um, so lethargic. It's oh, it's so like, slow. Which now Nick and Nor like the Thin Man movies aren't like I'm not saying they're fast paced, like you know yeah. shoot 'em up kind of thing. But they have an energy to them. Yeah, and they have a like they're, like I say they're just fun. They're fun from top to bottom. And yes. this musical is often not fun <laughs> just really not fun it is, to listen it's to it's rarely fun to listen to it's rarely fun to watch <laughs> it's yeah i'm just sad and it's it's interesting it's like watching and i don't know i know it was the 90 like 91 so maybe set design hadn't mm-hmm. advanced enough but like watching like the set pieces just slowly roll on mm-hmm. I, i'm just i'm just like this is the speed of the show the speed mm-hmm. of this flat coming on is the speed of the show yeah it didn't uh yeah doesn't inspire confidence yeah uh, and it's 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 really it gets to the very end it's two and a half hours in um and when the curtain comes like when they like even before they come out for their last uh, for the the curtain call mm-hmm. um you can't see them take the curtain call because there's too many people leaving their seats uh, blocking the camera like i am like oh i this is not just like i have to catch a cab this yeah. is oh, and no. we're done go right oh no oh, oh it's man. it's not it's not good. hey if uh if you're when i was like googling uh preparing for this i found a an interview with barry boswick in the la times um when they were in previews oh, okay um and the way first this is the most early 90s profile of an actor i have ever <laughs> read um i am oh boy uh but he the way he tap danced around right like how's the, how do you feel and he's like ask me on december 9th right <laughs> like oh if they asked yeah. him not going to be a yeah, good answer. Not going to be a good answer. I think I'll be free so- shortly after that. So you can Yeah, I think I'll be free anything. after eight more days. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. whenever they give answers like, well, you know, it's a process and you've got to really, you know, we're we're sort of moving things in and out and it's it's a living document and a blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying like, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh. to be fair, is what Barry should have said. He should have been in there being like, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. You're going to love it. It's going to be the hit of the, the town. But you know, no one... No one besmirches. No. no one's gonna hate you later for lying. Yeah. This is also his like return to theater after years right. in Hollywood. I, he yeah. did not. He gave zero shits about like doing what was politic. I think for the show at the time. Oh, Barry, 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 yeah. Barry. What can you do? Uh, well, so <laughs> another sort of funny thing I kept thinking about as I have inflicted this show upon you, uh, which is not usually the way this podcast goes. Obviously, usually the the guest chooses the show. <laughs> um, but, other way around yeah. yeah the way around this is i'm like you're doing this and you went all right uh is this though i i kept thinking about it from a i couldn't help but think about 
the way one crafts a mystery. And I kind of imagined you listening to this sort of being like, this is nothing, guys. guys. <laughs> you're really, you're not doing those things you need to do. Because you have now written three, well, four technically, but the, the third one's the one that's coming out. Uh, books in this series uh, on, you know, uh, of a dynamic that is not Nick and Nora Charles, but it is a detective partnership who, you know, go around and solve crimes and you have to constantly find new ways to make that interesting to make that fresh and to give us enough of what we come to love about pentecost and, and parker but also to have it be new and exciting every single time so i think you know we were talking about how like nick and nara like they they have their 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 characters are set like they are mm. they're static they're yeah. static characters that we we just like them the way they are. They're not still, if if they're growing, it's minuscule. Right. You know? Um, and they're, the the mistake in this musical was trying to pretend that they're not set, like mm -hmm. trying to give them problems that they don't have um, or that like they didn't have in the movie and we liked it better that way. Um, so with, uh, with the Pentecost and Parker series, it's, it's kind of the opposite, um, not the opposite, but it's it's different. Um, uh, like my lead detectives, William Pentecost and and Willie Jean Parker, are still growing. Will and Will, because who is the the narrator of the series, is very much still growing. Like as mm -hmm. a human being, as a detective, like she is still trying to figure out her her life and her uh, her relationship with her boss um, and. Uh, so like every every book so far has like at its heart been about her coming to terms or wrestling with certain things mm -hmm. um, that are dredged up by whatever mystery she and Miss Pentecost are working on um, and the mystery uh, the actual like whodunit structure is just it is like the scaffolding on which I can hang all of the interesting emotional stuff um, and all the character growth. Sort of a noodling of like what the, like the mystery is. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'll be, and then like, as I start sort of creating the scaffolding, I'll be like, okay, what is this provoking? What, what memories is this dredging up? what mm. uh conflict is this creating between our two leads um and then when i start figuring that out that you know there's other multiple drafts that will shape and reshape that that whodunit framework until hopefully they are now like merged into one mm -hmm. uh, where it's not like two separate plot lines it's like one plot line informing the other informing the other that, i think yeah. what one thing and it, something that this this actually musical certainly does not do um and isn't actually something i think that, that the thin man novels necessarily do but one of the things i really enjoy about the situations you put your characters into is what big swings you take with not not saving anything i never get the sense you're saving anything for the next book you know your first book mm. you go headlong into the fact that uh you know, our lead detective uh, has MS in a time when that is 
very you know very fatal and is she has a time like timeline on her life as 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 the as the narrator looking back tells us in the second book you dig right into willa jean parker's past we go right at it you know head head first and it's those kinds of sort of leaving nothing like leaving it all on the court to to say uh makes for very compelling drama and i think that it's something that a lot of writers often shy away from because they want to sort of hold those things back and then use them when they need to and and i wonder what what you feel yeah. every time you're like well here we go here's a lot of questions answered sort of right away they aren't going to tell us everything about the character but you know we're going right at it yeah i mean there's it, it's it's these competing things like it, there so uh this is the life of being a professional writer of not knowing like how many books i'm going to get to write sure like, how, not sure. knowing like what the next contract is going to be. Um, like I am, I am contracted right now through book four, mm-hmm. um, three, three comes out in a month, four comes out, you know, next December. Um, it is a continuing, several days seems pretty invested uh, in the series. So I am, I am pretty sure I'll get to, to keep going, but how many, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I will write, I, I will write the series for as long as I am a, able to and B people want to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so at this, like, so like with that uncertainty, I'm like, if I want like for, like for the second book, which delves into like my narrative, like uh, Willow Jean's, um, background with a like a traveling circus i'm like i really love i love the circus i love circus characters i want to write that i don't want to hold that let's just do it let's Mm -hmm. just do it right now um because i don't know if i'll ever get if i will get if i'm like oh no we'll do this in book eight who knows um uh at the same time there's also like i i know i want to like to string some things out, especially sure. with the like Ms. Pentecost's background, right. um, which I am gonna start. You know, you, in book three, you get just little hints of. Um, in book four, there's a lot more hints. Um, but like, I, I want to leave things open because, like, a, I might come up with a great idea in a few years that I don't want to have written myself into a corner where I can't do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just. Do you have a a like continuity Bible somewhere that has uh, all these facts? A, con- a continuity Bible, <laughs> not so much. Uh, the continuity Bible is like not that is less important. Than, like I've I've started keeping like a minor details Bible mm. of like hair color and height and eye color and like weird little details like that because mm. that is the shit that you forget. Continuity, mm. I will remember. I will remember like who you know like the backgrounds of everybody but like i'm like does this person have brown hair <laughs> how tall is she uh, um and then have to go i will i like have my previously published books like by my desk where i'm like ah crap and i just go flipping through um because searching through the document online does not always work sure um, but yeah, so far I've not needed a kind of Bible um, that might be 
eventually. Well, you've only it. published three books. I mean, that's not, you know, one. Yeah, I know. I don't need it yet. I'm, I, I can remember, you know. <laughs> you can keep three books in your head. Yeah. You got that. I've been reading the X-Men for like 40 years. I, I think I can remember continuity. If I can remember Wolverine's backstory, <laughs> I think I'm good. You can hang on to the one that you're you're, yes. you're creating yourself. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, it is such an interesting. I mean, it's such a foreign world to me of this, the, how you keep, how you, you it, the, the sort of just general novels in general. But I think that mysteries work best in novels. I think they work second best in film, but they work, mm-hmm. they work best in novels because of the way you can disseminate information and the fact that I can without judgment back up if I need to and be like, wait a minute, what happened? Hang on. Let me just, yes. say, okay, there we go. And you can rewind and it doesn't, you know, you're not, you're not stuck with like, wait, did I miss the fact that, oh, he picked that up with his left hand in that scene. And I didn't see that. And now I'm seeing it in a flashback. Like it, you can be much more fluid, but you can also do a great thing with misdirection, which is so much more important. I think in mysteries than people give it credit for that, the, one of the things this musical actually does is when it reveals the fact that there are too many suspects. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite moments in any sort of mystery where the detective realizes that there's there's too much information. I have too much. It needs to be organized. It needs to be sorted. And they kind of sit down usually and sort out the facts in a in some kind of capacity. Um, and it, the, my favorite moment from that in movies anyway is in um, Murder on the Orient Express when Hercule Poirot very early says there's too many clues in this room. And it's that kind of thing where you think, how could that be possible that there could be, but then you find out through the, obviously the dissemination, what that exactly means on stage. Have you ever written a mystery for the stage? Any of your plays like that? No, not since high school when I co-wrote like a murder mystery sure, comedy. Right. Just, wasn't that what the thing you did when you were in? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, you did in talented yeah. drama. Because um, we all did an Agatha Christie and then we all went, oh, this is fun. And then you all sort of like, you know, one room in a in a Snowden <laughs> somewhere. And yeah. here, here we go. And I think those Agatha Christie plays are fun for what they are. I mean, the mousetrap is obviously the longest running Western theater piece ever. Yeah. Um, and in its defense, I don't know if you've ever seen it, is really good. Like the mousetrap is a really, really good mystery. Uh, and utilizes specifically it the stageness of it to again hide truths, misdirect, do all those great those great things. Um, but I think in general, the stage is not necessarily the best place for a mystery. <laughs> it's just so no, it's so alive and so like. So many things can go wrong and cause unintentional misdirection in a, in a stage piece that I think that the stage is kind of the worst place for a mystery in a lot of ways. Yeah, because it's it's sort of like if you there's such limited real estate in yeah. theater, like there's limited there's limited time, there's limited space, there's limited you know like, like people, yeah. and costumes and set. And I, I always say, like, if you put a th- tell students, if you put a thing on the stage, like you're basically drawing a circle around it and being like, this is sacred. This is important. Mm-hmm. If this is here, it's here for a reason. Um, and with mysteries, it's you you want it. There are some things that are important, but you don't want people to look at them all the time. So it's like it, it's very hard to just flood the flood the field with with characters right like, uh and and stuff um because like 
in a book you can hide a gesture in like a word mm-hmm. but on stage if a human being does a thing you notice it so very acutely because human beings are the thing we watch more than anything else on stage um so and it's also why movies come second with like doing mysteries because you can have a hundred extras right and yeah you can and you can hi- i mean you can both highlight you can highlight important and unimportant information sort of equally and yeah through the edit or through the close-up or through oh, whatever just like yeah the zoom like that the, the wide you don't notice mm-hmm. it zoom you notice it yep. it's flashbacks yep. all those devices that work yeah. so well that do not work on stage i mean flashbacks on stage yeah. are just like unless it's a comedy and it's hilarious yeah. Not a great, There's, not a great device. There are so many flashbacks in Nick and Nora yes. that like, I did not realize were flashbacks until I watched it. Until you it. watched it, yeah. Um, and then I'm like, oh, it comes in this order. This makes sense now. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I wish everyone could see the total frustration on your face. <laughs> They're like, guys, uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be this, this way. I mean, it, in like an alternate universe, this could have worked. Um, oh, absolutely! Script, but no. it, the idea could have worked. Yeah, no, I think so. I think that there there is a like we said from the beginning. I think you watch the Thin Man movies, and you go, "Yes, I see this as a musical. I totally understand what this is." But it's not only that Arthur Lawrence missed that Nick and Nora Charles are William Powell and Myrna Loy. It's I think you can even get around that if he had gotten the world they inhabit correct. Because this the the characters that they meet don't feel like Nick and Nora characters. They just feel like stock Hollywood 30s noir characters. They're just like there's the there's the actress, there's a film director, there's a gangster, there's a bookkeeper, there's a Japanese houseboy. There, you know, God help us. There is, you know, like we're just these characters could be in anything. And the Thin Man's supporting cast is usually much more clearly drawn and much more extreme. And there's also so many more of them. There's just like tons and tons of people uh, who come in and out and always have a very specific axe to grind. And that axe can be directed or not directed at the mystery itself but they're all like the great thing about the thin man movies that i had forgotten until i started rewatching them is how everyone is a suspect like you could really look at any of those characters and be like mm-hmm. okay they absolutely could have yeah. done it i totally understand why how if they turn out to be the killer i got you. from the jump i'm like yep i get it okay great and this is not that no <laughs> this is not that at all yeah it's it's interesting that when you say that like i'm like all of these characters are are in some ways, they are too emotionally complex. Mm-hmm. And they made them this way in order to to make a musical, to make right. it work in theater. Like, um, Class, it was, it's sung by Victor. You walk in the room, you just take everybody's eye. And who in hell would look at my Venetian glass? I thought I could buy it. Now I think no matter what I paid... This don't make the grade Not beside a lady Who has class Who is the ex-union buster now producer? 
Um, and he sings this because he's always had a, a, a love for Nora um, that could never be, that he's, he's always felt unworthy. Um, and even though he has this great house and has all this money now, he still feels unworthy. And he sings it. It's actually quite a moving song mm-hmm. and quite a moving number. And I am like, this is too deep mm-hmm. for the like for the the thin man for like yep. what you were trying to take from these movies. And I say the movies because people more people know in like ninety one knew the movies than they knew. The oh movies. yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're getting audiences for that's what like, you're trading well, the, on the thin yeah. man. Um, and I'm like, no, these people are too. They're they're too actively trying to figure shit out. Um, yeah, oh, and they have they have like they well, need to be a little thinner. There you go. They need to be thinner men. Yeah. Uh, they need to be is, thinner. Yeah. But be thinner men. I was like, right. there is too much Raymond Chandler in this musical. It's almost exactly because what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. This- Raymond Chandler, it like, it, it is all about the incredibly neurotic, strange, complex, fucked up people. Um, 50 years before that became a yeah. thing that we love. If you don't, if you've never read any Raymond Chandler, to, to understand what, what Steven and I are talking about for a second, if you've seen The Big Lebowski, it is a takeoff, basically, on Raymond Chandler's style, where there is a mystery in there somewhere, and there is a detective. But really what Chandler's interested in are the people and what they do and how they respond to the pressure and what their individual wants are. And he's the mystery just sort of exists on the periphery. But so your big uh, influence, which is a a mystery writer I am not terribly familiar with, uh, though my father is, is uh, Nero Wolf for for your series. That's correct. Yeah. What is it about? So so what makes a Nero Wolf mystery in this in this? So it's a Rex Stout is the author. Rex Stout. Excuse me. Yes. Um, No, no. It is so uh, such a common mistake that. Uh, the uh, Capitol Hill Books, the the used bookstore right on Eastern Market, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, used to put Rex Stout under W, <laughs> under W, or vice versa, or, or near a wolf under. I forget for which. Sure. Um, so yeah, so uh, so Rex Stout, uh, the American author, wrote a series uh, from. He wrote the series where he had the. The quintessential egotistical male detective, um, in this case, a, a, a an obese man <laughs> who loved his food and his orchids and just didn't want to work, um, but would eventually be forced to for money. Mm-hmm. Um, Nero Wolf um, and his right hand man, Archie Goodwin. Um, and solving mysteries in New York City. And he wrote these novels from the 1930s through the 1970s. Um, 40 wow. years. Uh, wow. it's it's oh, it's something. That's um wild. I have I have read all of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. I read all because I uh, I was rearranging my I was like cleaning up my like book collection in like 2019 and I not 2019, 2018. Time flat circle. Right. Thanks. Um, and I picked up a Nero Wolf book. I say, oh, I remember this being good. And I reread it. I'm like, it is good. I've not read so many of these. I am going to, you know what? I'm going to read the first one mm-hmm. um, that he wrote in the 1930s. And I'm going to read it in order all the way through the 1970s. Um, and I did that through like about six months in 
like fall 2018, like summer, fall 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point I was like, if I was giving the license to the, do these characters in 20, in the 21st century, what would I do? Mm-hmm. And I eventually came to the conclusion that I wouldn't, that I didn't think they would work very well in the mm-hmm. 21st century, even though like the way he wrote them, they were never changing. Like the, the, the relationship that was in the 1930s, like was the same as in the 1970s. Like these characters didn't change the world around them changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so theoretically you could put them in the 21st century, but I was like, I no, thank you. Sure. Um, but at some point I was like, uh, well, what would I do with this template? Um, and the template, like the thing that like made wreck stouts Nero Wolf, like so popular for 40 years um, is that he took the classic British murder mystery template, um, the like uh, egotistical, incredibly intelligent detective, um, and combined it with uh, the American hardboiled voice. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of the books are from Archie Goodwin's, uh, they're all written by Archie Goodwin. They're mm-hmm. like all from his point of view. And he speaks in that, like, you know, New York and 1930s patois of like, Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, right. hard to boil. Um, except at the end, you know, you end up with everyone in a drawing room <laughs> being like, "You did it." Um, <laughs> and it was, it was like, it was like a very, but it was a very like seamless combination. It was peanut butter and chocolate, mm-hmm. um, and that is what made it great. Um, and I was like, "Well, what would I do with this?" with this template um and my like because i all of my plays most of my plays um have female protagonists i immediately gender flipped everyone um because most of my protagonists are queer like will is bi Mm -hmm. um and i ended up setting everything in or at least i saw the first book in like immediately post-world war two because um that was just just a really interesting pivotal point in American history for me, um, and for me, for everyone. <laughs> when you're, um, if your your conceit is like uh, the the genius detective, mm-hmm. um, like the it, then then it always works better when you have like the assistant as the first person narrator. Oh sure, because yeah. if you have the genius detective, then you're gonna reveal to your audience or to your readers like way too early mm-hmm. <laughs> who did it um yeah whereas what? like raymond chandler where like your your protagonist is a like sometimes clueless mm-hmm. like just slightly smarter than average private eye who's getting mm-hmm. shit kicked out of him every third chapter right then you can do that and like have it be a surprise to him and the audience uh, or the reader at the same time. Right. Well, and it's the, 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 I think Chandler often falls back on the whole, something that Hammett does actually with the thin man a few times in the, I should say he does in the thin man once, and then they do it in the movies all the time is the, like the the detective doesn't know who did it, but they know enough to uh, arrange a circumstance where they can bring the killer out. Yes. They know enough how like, so that even, the detective doesn't know who's going to walk through the door. They lay the trap, they set the thing, and then they wait. 
And the detective just knows the killer is going to walk through the door, but they have no idea who that is until you do. And it's that. So it's that sense of like the thing they're good at is figuring out the circumstance, like understanding the world they inhabit running in this. But they don't know necessarily. They're not like, like you say, they're not a genius. They're not like, oh, it was clearly this solution because that was this and this and their hair fibers were, you know, the cigar ash yes. had been tapped three yes. times. It wasn't that. Yeah. 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 Nick Charles is far from Sherlock Holmes. Like yeah. that, that's it. That scenario was like in the first movie and yep. it, they lifted it directly into the musical. Yep. Oh yeah. Which is the fun part. I mean, like I say, that's why the ending, I think kind of almost works, even though it gets too convoluted because it is true to that thing of like, we have now created a circumstance wherein the killer can reveal themselves. So here we are. Mm-hmm. We are in that. We are in that moment in that world. And the tension is real for everybody because while Nick or whoever has arranged things, since they don't know who it is, the danger should, could could come from any direction. So there is a real sense of like, oh gosh, like is it over there? Is it like they're looking around just like we are? They're they're flashing back and forth and and looking around the room and and seeing who it could possibly be. And then, you know, but obviously they're going to jump in the nick of time to catch yes. whatever, whatever is going to do it. Because like at the end of the day, we have to solve the crime. That's literally what happens. Yeah. That's yes, right. Yeah. Right. And by the way, this is by the way for everyone else. This is the movie, not the musical with right. the movie. There were like 15 people yeah. around the table. Yes. The musical. There were like six people on a veranda. On a veranda, which is an odd. Yeah. And no gun, no hidden guns. Oh, um, man. I mean, it's very lucky for Nick in the movie that he's standing so close to the right guy who there. pulls the gun at the table because yeah. that could have broke. Which is like him. the second time that happens in the movie where he is just like able to deflect. <laughs> Defl- yeah, deftly. Oh my gosh, it is. Uh... <laughs> but there's so. I mean, but that's the the joy of the Thin Man movies is in the fact that, like, again, like I said, they're just fun. Yeah. They're just, like, I yeah, don't yeah. ever really believe that anyone's in danger, even in the most dangerous scene in that movie, which is probably where they're in bed, at, like asleep and somebody shows up at their apartment with a gun and suddenly like there is actual danger. It's still like it doesn't I still am not worried like they're going to be fine. I don't know how they're going to get out of it. And I'm excited to find out, but I'm not worried for the characters physical safety because that's yeah. i've been told by the movie that's not the kind of movie i'm watching yes. you know like that's and so it's all good you know as the tension wraps i'm I'm sort of very excitedly looking around the table being like oh i wonder who it's gonna be yeah uh, whereas in in other more hard-boiled stories like yours for example the the danger is real <laughs> the the characters get hurt <laughs> frequently and i do I think one of the great things about the big swings that you take with the settings and, and revelations is that when a character gets knocked for six, I do really be like, was well, this just what we're going to be dealing with now? Like, cause I just honestly, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go. Like I, I'm sure they're going to live cause they're narrating from the future, but is this why they walk this way all the time? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, is that how this is it, the, the, the danger and the, the, the damage feels much more, present you also you clever bastard do this thing where you are clearly hopping around in time like you are like this mystery didn't like this one we're listening like you you deal with the very first pentecost and parker mystery in the first book but sort of quickly at the beginning like it's a mini mystery and then you jump ahead in time and then the next book you jump ahead in time again and 
you've given yourself so much room to kind of like jump like this actually takes place in the middle of the in between books one and two like you don't you can go back and so you're not I, constantly running yeah. forward you know what i mean like you're not being like oh god like these people need a break these like we need a, we need lunch here all the stuff they've been through like no this took place before that but after that and it That's yeah you yourself you've given yourself some good wiggle room which is great for me as a reader because i'm just sort of like i know something happened and i can't wait to find out like what happened in the middle there somewhere yeah it's not it's nice that uh like in the first book it's like it's three years it's like she yeah meets, like will meets lillian in 1942 i need um, a bible See? and then jumps ahead through it so i've got like the first three years of mysteries that i could go back to mm-hmm. um for the most part, like going forward, it's gonna it's like a six month jump, uh, sure. sort of average. Um, and then we'll see. Like if I but if you, I, I mean, want to go back, I can. Yeah, even just for a little bit, like even just to dip in yeah. to be like, oh, like I can start here in this little three year yes. period and then leap all the way forward again. Like I can yeah, set yeah. the inciting incident way back here, and it it just gives you so much, just like I say, so much freedom of motion. But it, more than that, gives me as a reader the the idea that there is so much i'm just not being told you know what i mean like your books don't mm-hmm. pick up right after one after i'm not getting yeah. the story as it's going there's so much else in there somewhere that makes me kind of go, that that just is, is tantalizing and it's such an interesting okay non-linear way to approach it yeah so that's the that's the enjoyment from i'm glad it's tantalizing yeah if i'm not clear guys i really like these books i don't i don't like i don't (laughs) i've I've told steven that i will tell you guys now as my as my (laughs) listeners i very much enjoy these books um and a more ringing endorsement though i can give them is that my father really enjoys these books who is a murder mystery reader from way back and is a huge fan of his favorite of these he's more of a spy mystery guy eric ambler would be probably his his uh his big uh his favorite author um but he loves murder mysteries has tons and tons of them and i with great excitement gave him uh the first book and was sort of like oh crossing my fingers being like i really hope he likes this book and he loves them and he eagerly anticipates the third one and is talks to me about them and greatly enjoys them so if you like this sort of thing and like what we've been talking about uh you will enjoy the Pentecost and Parker series start at book one because uh, there's only three of them. So you're coming in on the ground floor yeah. pretty much, you know, but uh, so they are for for the fans. They are book one is called uh, Fortune Favors the Dead. That's a book great two, title. It, I like it. Uh, yeah. Book two is Murder Under Her Skin. And book three coming out December 13th is Secrets Typed in Blood. Secrets Typed in Blood, yes. And it, they are uh, all available at your look. I put a link in the show notes so you can get to your local bookstores and get yourself copies. And they're also available on, on Audible and in audio format as well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The Audible narrator is Kirsten Potter. Um, I've gotten so many compliments for the uh, the audiobooks that I only half deserve <laughs> because she is so good. Mm. That's good praise. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so go out and and find them now and enjoy and become become one of us who knows just how great they are. Uh, and Stephen, I'm going to ask you a question now, uh, a question that you probably six months ago could not have anticipated anyone ever asking you. Uh, what is your favorite song from the musical Nick and Nora? Oh God. Damn it. Um, 
oh, that's it's tough because if you had, <laughs> but not for me, the usual reason. <laughs> no, it's not for the usual reasons. It's if you'd asked me when I just listened to the album, um, I would oh, have been that's like, "True, you have a whole new I don't perspective." Know. Maybe, yeah, yeah maybe it w- it might have been men. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was sort of like the most 1991 nod oh, yeah. to feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, yeah, they almost, they almost had a point. Yeah. Um, uh, but having watched it, uh, I'm gonna say, look who's alone. Oh, now, which okay. now I understand why people do that. Um, yeah, because it's it, it's it's totally wrong. <laughs> uh, the for wanting to bring in the audience of the Thin Man, um, but it's it's very sad, and I just like Barry Boswick just mm-hmm. reclining, lamenting the song. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Stephen, thank you so much for uh, for for coming back and talking about this and talking about mysteries and talking about musicals and thank you thank you for inviting me and introducing this musical into my life <laughs> it's gonna that's run sincere. out that's sincere that's sincere okay that's sincere it sounds okay. sincere this is good this is good. at least led to this conversation this is lovely. that's true okay great we had a wonderful evening out yeah. of it. there we go that's good look who's alone now hey look who's talking to himself like he was hamlet It's the man who knew it all Who they said could never fall I'd say today was not his day Hey, pal, when she's back We'll laugh this off together If that doesn't call for drinks Well then, what does? Somebody's laughing It's all a joke, except I didn't get the punchline. Was she talking while I slept? There's some line I overstepped. We'll get over this, except look who's alone now. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for t-shirts, tote bags, magnets, and more. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Stephen Spotswood for coming back and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. I'm the man you can't surprise. I don't miss things, I'm too wise This was right before my eyes Look who's alone now She's the one real love I've known How a part of me she's grown Once I like to drink alone Look who's alone